How's it going, everybody? Aloha and welcome back to the Brick House for another edition of Bose Football Final here at KHON2.com. I'm Rob DeMello and joining me, Spectrum Sports Analyst, former University of Hawaii offensive lineman RJ Hollis. And RJ, this past weekend, we learned that for as much as things change, they stay the same as the 14th ranked Boise State Broncos beat the University of Hawaii in Idaho 59 to 37. And that now becomes the seventh consecutive win for Boise in that series. Hawaii still without a win ever on the blue turf of Boise, Idaho. And before we get into the specifics of this game and we talk about what's next for the 4-2 and two Rainbow Warriors who are now 1-1 one one in the Mountain West Conference, your initial takeaway from this game. What, what's the thing that jumps out as far as what you saw this past weekend between the Bows and the Broncos? Well, my initial take from the game is, you know, very similar to a lot of other people's. There was some sloppy play, things that UH could have cleaned up. But as somebody that has faced the Boise State Broncos, I think this was actually kind of an improvement. I mean, the last two teams that played Boise State, I was on and we were outscored 107 to 16 in two games. Two separate games, Rob. So make no mistake about it, UH definitely has created a standard that they want to follow. But... This is a very, very good Boise State team, arguably the best team in group of five and have been for a while now. So even though there was a high expectation and UH definitely wanted to come out with a win, I definitely think it's not as bad as people may think and it's not as bad as it may seem on camera. You know, that's a good point because when you look at 59 to 37, a loss by the University of Hawaii football team, I think the initial reaction, maybe heading into the year, right, before any games are played was, hey, that's Boise being Boise, right, and it's tough to win in Idaho. But I think for the Rainbow Warriors and the fans especially, for UH to be coming off a 54-3 win at Nevada and then to have an extra week to get ready for Boise, I think it kind of clouds the situation where a lot of people thought this was the team. This could be the University of Hawaii football team that finally beats Boise, especially in Idaho. I mean, you have to go back to 2010 when Hawaii had a team that anyone thought maybe had a chance. And if you remember in 2010, and remember, that's a team with Kealoha Polaris and Greg Salas and Bryant Moniz and Alex Green and Mana Silva. I mean, the a defense, lot of, a lot of good the defense led the country in takeaways. That was a really good football team that won the Western Athletic Conference, went up to Boise, and, and it got beat bad in that one. And you got to remember that Broncos team was ranked second in the country at the time. But a lot of people thought this could be the team. And so do you think that's what makes this harder for, for people to understand, for people to, to kind of take that pill to swallow, is that the, the heading in, although 14-point underdogs, a lot of people in Hawaii thought, no, nah, th this could be the year. No, definitely. I mean, you got to understand that Fans watch film, but so do other teams. And there was a reason that fans were excited and thought that this UH team could go down to Boise and win. But you got to understand, Boise State saw the same tape. Mm -hmm. Those fans saw the same tape. And in fact, Boise State set a new attendance record in this game against UH. So that just showed the excitement within their community was at a level it hasn't been in a while to face a team. So when you go on the road and you're already facing a team that's number 14 in the country, a team that's beat Florida State at Florida State with a true freshman quarterback, and then they sell out, I mean, the odds are stacked up against you at a rate that people are very rare to. It has been a long time since UH has been 
focused on the way it has been these past few years. And I think that played a lot into how Boise State came out and performed, how their crowd set a new attendance record, and what they're seeing when they're looking at UH. So granted, the fans are more excited because they're seeing a better team, but the opponents are also seeing a better team. So they're coming with way more fire and fierceness than they normally would. All right, let's take a look at where it all went wrong for the Rainbow Warrior football team in that 59-37 loss. Of course, the, the first thing that jumps out four turnovers. You had the three fumbles, two of them by receivers in the first half. You had the Cole McDonald getting hit, which a lot of people thought was uh, was a forward pass. Probably shouldn't have been a fumble, but it's what it was called on the field. And then you have the Chevin Cordero pick in the final play of the game, which is irrelevant, but still four turnovers added to a team who's already had issues with turning the ball over this season. You look at the situations with some bad calls. Hawaii was on the bad end of some really bad calls. Jeremiah Pritchard being ejected for a questionable targeting. Uh, you, you have a, a couple of plays that went one way in the favor of Boise State, and, and I won't say for a second, I mean, because a lot of people writing in saying, hey, Boise State referee homers and all that. Like, no, nah. <laughs> I mean, these guys are professionals. Referees are professionals. They make mistakes. Um, and, and so I don't think anyone's out to get the University of Hawaii for sure. But it goes to what went wrong. You have drops by the receivers uh, at a pace that we haven't seen this season. So uh, how do you kind of take that all into uh, into a bundle and, and and say, like, you know, this is what went wrong for Hawaii. Uh, can this be cleaned up? Can this not be cleaned up? What's your take on that? I think they're definitely going to have to look within themselves because, like I said, it cats out of the bag. UH football can ball. So this isn't going to be the last team that's going to bring everything they got trying to beat you. So right now you have to search within yourself and figure out how can we get back to the football that we're used to playing. You beat Nevada 54-3 at home. I mean, that is an absolute skull dragging, something that nobody saw coming. So it's there. On top of beating two Pac-12 teams to start off the season, you've shown that you have that ability to go out and be that top-tier Mountain West football team, but you got to look in the mirror. It got to come back to assignments, to fundamentals such as catching the ball, holding on to it high and tight for the running backs, making sure your reads are proper, your alignments are proper, tackling technique, because granted, even though Pritchard may not have targeted, if you leave it up to the refs, you're still putting yourself at risk. So this just goes back to UH finding itself, its own identity, and irregardless of who you play that week, you go out and execute how you know you can, and you should be fine. But you can't take, you know, what's happened before, losing to Washington, losing to Boise, and let that be something that deters you further down the line because there's still plenty of more good games to come. When you look at the play of quarterback Cole McDonald, 23 of 41, 251 yards passing, three touchdowns, no interceptions. That's good for a passer rating of 131.7. And really, when you look at the numbers, you, you can't help but think that those numbers probably should be a lot better because there were some drops, there, there were some situations where uh, you feel like it could have been inflated, but you got to give credit to Boise State as well. I mean, their defense, a bunch of ball hawks that, that go after the football. So when you look at Cole McDonald's day, how do you grade his performance? And is it something that sets you up for a positive feeling as we head into the next game of the season? Is it something that he take a step back from those two amazing weeks of Central Arkansas and Nevada? Where are you with Cole McDonald? I mean, right now, I think Cole McDonald is honestly a victim of his own success. I mean, last year you come out in this new run and shoot offense and you finish 
top 15, at least statistically, in almost every important passing category. Now that standard is set. So when you come in to the same offense the next year, people are expecting the world out of them. And like you said, you're not always going to be able to give them the world. You're going to face ball hawking defenses. You're going to face DBs who have seen you do what you can do. It's not like they don't have the two top scoring receivers in the Mountain West. They do. Cedric Bird and JoJo Ward are the top two receivers as far as touchdowns go. So you got to know that when they came into this game, they weren't just like, oh, Cole McDonald, white boy with dreads. Don't worry about it. No, they definitely made him the focal point. Stop him. You can almost stop this team in its entirety. And as far as what he's done, if you look at his first three games against all power five opponents, his touchdown to interception ratio was nine to eight. If you look at his last three games, not one power five opponent has he faced. His touchdown ratio is now 11 touchdowns to only one interception. Mind you, last game he threw no interceptions. He started the season off with four interceptions against U of A. So there's definitely some progress here, but you got to understand you're not the only one that notices your progress. Every defense you face from now until the end of the season will see every good pass you make, every good route that's ran, every good time you eat a zone apart because why? They don't want it to happen to them and they're going to make extra sure it doesn't happen to them. You know, you talk about the progression of Cole McDonald and, and obviously his his last three games a huge jump as far as him protecting the football, as him playing within the offense. But with that being said, playing within the offense, a, a part of the offense in the run and shoot. And when you look at any successful run and shoot, especially in the University of Hawaii football's history, right? You go back to 1999, you had Avion Weaver. You go to the, the early 2000s of Mike Bass and Michael Brewster. Then you go to Nady Lawa and Alex Green. Uh, when, you, when you are be, uh, successful in running the football, it opens up the offense because teams can't just game plan to stopping a quarterback slinging the ball around to their receivers, right? So when you look at this game, how much could the face of this game been, been changed if Hawaii was able to effectively run the football? Well, in my honest opinion, Rob, you're looking at an entirely different game if they could somehow figure out to get their running backs going. Three running backs combined for 10 carries and 50 total yards. Cole McDonald would go to outrun his entire running back core, finishing with 54 yards rushing. So that in itself just speaks of what they need to do. And not only that, if you look at what Boise State was able to do with their two running backs, 25 carries, 138 yards, and two touchdowns. A major contribution to their passing game, which wasn't better than Hawaii's, but it's an addition. So Hawaii has established they can throw the ball. They got receivers. They know what they're doing. They're running their routes, and that's figured out. You have to get this running game going. I don't know how you're going to do it. Yes, you spread the ball out, so you only use five offensive linemen, but somehow, some way, they're going to have to figure out how to run the ball. They've only scored four rushing touchdowns since the beginning of the season, and one is by Dayton Feruta, who's no longer playing until his injury is figured out. So you got to be able to not necessarily make running your focal point, but it has to be a lovely addition to your solidified pass game because, like I said earlier, Cole McDonald's made a name for himself. Cedric Bird, JoJo Ward, and the other three receivers that also have 100-yard games, including Melquis Stovall, who just showed up in this last game. The cat is out of the bag. We know Hawaii can pass the football. 
you got to run it. You got to run it. You got to run it. Because if you don't, the other teams will pounce on it. And if they figure out how to stop your pass, it gets to a point where they can shut your team down in its entirety. And you do not want that. When you look at the defense, and, and, and I'm going to say something that's a lot of people probably aren't going to agree with based on the amount of questions and comments that we got here for Bose football final is that a lot of people were frustrated with the defense. The way I saw it is the defense kept Hawaii in this game. I mean, at halftime, they were down 31 to 14, which was attainable. I mean, and especially with how you saw Hawaii moving the ball when they weren't turning it over, you kind of thought to yourself like, okay, if the defense can stop them here in the second half, then this is a ball game. Ultimately, they weren't able to, but a lot of the reason why they weren't able to is that defense was gassed. I mean, they came out of the locker room. That wasn't the same defense. The thing you got to remember in that first half is that those three UH turnovers on offense gave Boise State the ball in UH territory, which resulted in 21 points for the Broncos. I thought the defense was playing well in this in the first half. Um, but then the accumulation of just being out on the field, being put in bad positions, it caught up to them. You saw a couple of big pass plays uh, where the, the secondary got beat, whether it's the corners or the safeties. Um, we talked about this all season long, how much of the back end of the, the defense, the defensive backs getting beat, results in the lack of pressure on the quarterback. I mean, it is absolutely huge. And like I was just saying, your front or whatever you put on the front of the defense has total bearing on what goes on the back because the more men you put in the box or prep for that run game, you create multiple man-on-man -man matchups and make no mistake about it. Hawaii has probably just faced the best receiving core it's seen all year mm -hmm. in Boise State. So they were taking advantage of any and every man-on-man -man situation, which if you ask any quarterback, that's the easiest situation to beat. So yes, you are definitely right. They got to figure out how to get to this quarterback without sacrificing bodies. You can't always six five-man blitz to the quarterback. Those front four have to figure out a way to put pressure on. And yes, like you said, if they can't figure it out, it is even going to become a bigger problem as the season goes because that's just more reps that these DBs have to take. I mean, Ikumo Keke was already injured earlier in the season. He's back now. Hopefully, he doesn't go back out later. But the more reps that you put on these defensive players, that's more wear and tear on their bodies. And when you look at how much you depend on Cortez Davis, Rojesterman Ferris to be those lockdown corners, that percentage of them being able to do that dwindles with every rep that they have to take. It dwindles with every three and out that only takes 15 seconds off the clock because that's three empty pass plays that UH just had on offense. So this defense is drained and they do step up to the occasion. I agree with you, Rob. When you look at the quickness of some of these three and outs that UH's offense is giving them to work with, the fact that they come back out on the field and even put up the formidable fight they do, I definitely tip my hats off to them. I definitely tip my hats off to Corey Batoon. And like I said, you gotta figure out a way to control the clock offensively for UH so that you can help this defense become even better and more of an attribution to your team. All right, let's close the book on Boise State. 59-37 win for the Broncos. Again, the Rainbow Warriors fall to 4-2 and two overall, 1-1 one one in the Mountain West Conference. So up next, life goes on. And they have to face a very good Air Force Academy here on Saturday at Aloha Stadium in another nationally televised showdown. The Falcons enter that game 4-2 and two as well. They're 2-1 and one in the Mountain West Conference. When you look at what the Bows need to do moving forward, and, and you know, I spoke with Kunai Picanso after the game was over, and he said two things. He said, one, the coaches 
always reiterate to us. It's one snap and clear. So then, and that is something that the, this, this team has learned to accept and to treat as part of life, whether it's a win or a loss, it's one snap and clear. And he said that the other thing was that in the locker room, immediately guys were rallying around the fact that we need to take care of business so that we can face these guys again and hope that Boise State advances out of the Mountain Division, Hawaii can advance out of the West Division, you play for a Mountain West Conference title. Hearing that, how much of a positive sign is that? That that these guys aren't talking about like, well, I guess we're just not in Boise's category. They are trying to now play themselves to get back uh, another shot at these guys. But again, Air Force comes in. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on this matchup? I think that Picanto hit it right on the head. One snap clear. Yeah, you lost. It's a top 25 team in the country. Get over it. We've been stomped out as a team by better players and then even if you look back in the previous years what Boise State has done way worse so you clear that and you look forward to this very good Air Force team who gave Boise State a closer game than you did they are number one in the country in rush yards and rush attempts so your run defense is going to have to be at his absolute best and your offense can make very minimal mistakes because we know when Air Force gets the ball, they are going to eat away tick at tock, the clock. Tick tock, tick tock. Yeah, I mean, as a player that played on the offensive line, is there a pressure that goes with running out, trotting onto the field knowing that you're facing, whether it's Air Force or Navy or whoever it is in New Mexico at one point uh, was running the triple option. Uh, when you face a team like that, the, is there a pressure that's put on the offense because you know that you know you turn the ball over or if you go three and out, I mean, it's a long time before you get a chance to get on the field potentially. No, definitely. And I mean, even if you go back to the double overtime win in Air Force mm -hmm. in 2016, Air Force pretty much controlled the pace of that entire game. If it wasn't for quick strike ability, UH would have never even been in that game. So it is a tremendous amount of pressure, especially when you look at the fact that this is the number one rushing team in the country, both in attempts and yards. So not only are they running the ball a lot, but they are getting places with their run game. So that means every time that they run the ball, that clock is consistently running. And even if you look at Air Force versus Fresno State in the put away drive, they had a 12 rush, 76 yard drive and held on to the ball for seven and a half minutes. So that in itself just speaks to how deadly their clock control is. And if you can't get them off the field, you better make sure you're not making any mistakes on offense because you got to come away with points every time you get the ball. Again, this is the University of Hawaii against Air Force on Saturday. Five o'clock kickoff at Aloha Stadium, televised on the CBS Sports Network. But it is that time for us to open up the mailbox, the Bose Football Final Mailbox. Again, you can send questions or comments to my Instagram, at Rob DeMello, Twitter, at Rob DeMello, K-H-O-N. And like I said earlier in the show, a lot of the comments, a lot of the questions were, you could see frustration that were being typed out. Yeah, as the angry writing, fingers. Yeah, exactly, when they were writing those things. Uh, <laughs> uh, the, the first thing is someone wanted to know, who is the University of Hawaii football team? After everything we saw this season, there's no idea as far as who they are. And so I started to think of what maybe they meant by this. And, and I'm looking at, okay, Hawaii has beaten two Pac-12 teams, right? They've lost to two teams ranked nationally. And so I guess that's the frustration is, okay, good enough to beat two Pac-12 teams, right? And, and that's, a, that's a large sample size, two Pac-12 teams. Yes, definitely. Then you play two nationally ranked teams and you're not in the game at all. 
right? I mean, let's face it. Uh, Washington and Boise State, Hawaii was not in that game from the first quarter. So the question is, who is the University of Hawaii football team? And is that something you can answer at this point of the season at 4-2? and two? I, I don't think anybody can answer that question. Not Nick Rolovich, not Cole McDonald, and definitely not the fans. I mean, you're looking at a team that's 4-2, and two, and yes, they lost a big by a big margin to Boise. Yes, they lost by a big margin to Washington, but you got to realize this is two top 25 teams in the country. So for that to become your expectation, that shows progress. And UH hasn't been four and two except for last year since 2010. Yeah. So only two times in this decade have you had a record this good and you have people wondering what's your identity. They don't know. They're trying to figure it out. But right now, there are definitely positive steps and things that they should definitely try and hone in on so that they can help create their identity. But I don't think anybody knows who they are, so I couldn't answer that question. Yeah, I think it's one of those things, and, and you used the term earlier in the show talking about Cole McDonald as far as a, a victim of their own success, exactly. right? Exactly. And I think the Rainbow Warrior football team, it is definitely that. When you look at last year starting 6-1, and one, this year they're 4-2. and two. Last year, you know, they went on that losing skid and barely got into a bowl game. Um, and, and then this time around, you know, a 4-2 and two start. I think everyone, because it's the run and shoot, because you're finding some success, everyone wants it to, to just be the June Jones era all exactly. over again. And the thing you got to remember is that in that June Jones era, there were some sketchy moments, right? Sketchy. There was a 77-7 loss to Fresno State. There was a 69-3 loss at Boise State. It happens. There was in 2004 when Timmy Chang was a senior with Chad Owens, and that was a payoff year for that group of seniors. They started that year 4-5, and five, and they needed to win four straight, including two Big Ten opponents, in order to get into a bowl game. But because the finished product was 8-5, and five, and then... Soon there, two years later, was 2006, where you started a, a run of 23-4 and four and an appearance in the Sugar Bowl. You kind of forget that that happened, right? And so I think that's the, the thing with this University of Hawaii football team and for the fans to remember is that, I mean, you're crazy to think that this is not a team that is on the trajectory up. This is not a team that is becoming a program that will be feared in the Mountain West Conference, that will be contending in the Mountain West Conference. Who knows what happens from here? But to this point... At 4-2 and two, with two wins over Pac-12 opponents and a 54-3 win against a conference rival, I mean, that, that tells you who this team is, right? This yes, is a team yes. that, is, that is on the, if there's an equator line of being a bad football team and a good football team, this is a good football team, right? And so I, I think if you have to label them, it's that this is a good football team. Are no, they good definitely. enough to beat Boise State of Washington to this point? Apparently not to this point. But you have to be able to take solace in what they've accomplished so far this season. No, definitely. And if you even look at Nick Rolovich's first two years, he won 10 games. Mm -hmm. In the last two years, he's already passed 10 games and winning, and he still has about nine games left on this season. You've been to two bowl games in your first three years, but you got to remember the year before last, you went and had a losing season that was almost indicative of a chow era type of mm -hmm. movement and you turn that around in one season going six and one the best start they've had since their undefeated season so they're definitely creating an identity but they haven't created it yet as coach rollo always says and has said even when i was playing there what he still says now we've never arrived and i feel like that arrival is that identity once they know exactly where they are where they match up with teams how they run what they want to do whenever they attack 
attack any team. Once they create that identity, I think then you'll be able to truly know what team you're seeing. But I think everybody just needs to put a little pump on the brakes real quick. Four and two and losing to the top 25 schools and complaining about it. That sounds more like Michigan problems. That sound more like, you know, LSU problems. Oh, boo-hoo, we lost to two 25 teams. You still got nine games to go. You're still undefeated in your division, so you've yet to lose in the West division, and you can still go undefeated in that regard, meet Boise State again, and then have a win that would have been way bigger if you would have just caught them here in the regular season. All right, a couple of two quick questions. Uh, the, the next one is rivalry trophies, the importance of it, are they necessary? And I think the question is being asked because the University of Hawaii and Air Force play for the Cooter Trophy. The interesting thing is right now, there are three rivalry games for the University of Hawaii. There becomes a fourth this year with San Jose State because of the Dick Tomey Legacy Trophy that they'll be playing for. But right now, UNLV, the Ninth Island Showdown, the Paniolo Trophy with Wyoming, the Cooter Trophy at Air Force, Hawaii has possession of all three. You played for trophies as far as rivalries go. Uh, how big are they to the football team? Absolutely huge. I mean, I can't overstress this enough. You've got to give these kids something immediately to play for. When you talk about the Mountain West Conference, it's group of five, so a lot of times it's overlooked. But this is the number one conference in Power Five wins outside of the Power mm -hmm. Five. So this conference is one of the most strongest and competitive conferences in the country. And I think games like the UNLV Ninth Island Showdown, like the Pinalolo Trophy between Hawaii and Wyoming, those create those rivalries. And even though you may be 3,000 miles apart, when you step on that field, the heat is just the same. The competition is just the same. And the spirit that these teams give is just the equivalent of what you would get out of Power Five. So I definitely think that having those rivalry games and even giving a trophy to make kind of an incentive that just increases the competition and it shows what the Mountain West has been able to do outside of its conference. All right, the last question that was asked or that we chose to be <laughs> uttered here on this show. Is the University of Hawaii destined for the Hawaii Bowl? And a sad face emoji was added at the end of this question, which just drives me nuts. It's what we're talking about. Yes. As far as this University of Hawaii football team. So now, now not only are people um, kind of coming to the terms that this is a team good enough to go to a bowl game, but uh, is it going to be the Hawaii Bowl again? Uh, RJ, take it away. I mean, you got kids. So imagine <laughs> you giving your kids $10 worth of allowance for five years. Then one day you decide, I'm going to start giving them $20. Mm -hmm. And then a couple months down the line, oh, they don't earn it. So I'm going to go back to giving them $10. And they're like, where's my 20 Where's my 20 where is this expectation of Hawaii Bowl being a sad thing? I mean, there's been one winning bowl game at this program for an entire decade. I was on that team. It was one of the greatest moments of my athletic career and possibly of my life. And we have people who honestly believe that having a winning season and going to a bowl game is now somehow beneath them, that just absolutely baffles me. I mean, it's kind of like how you should feel if you go back to get your kid $10 and they go, oh, where's my 20? Hold on, guess what? You get no money now. <laughs> yeah. So I definitely think that, you know, the expectations and you know, this is kind of a credit to what UH has done yeah. so yeah. rapidly. You know, going and beating 
54-3 Nevada beating two Power 5 teams in this year, beating an FCS opponent, having double the wins that you have losses halfway through your season. That in itself has created this almost unrealistic super expectation for fans. But I think right now they're on the perfect path to what they're going to be. And if they do go to the Hawaii Bowl, hey, my hat's off to them because there's about half of the NCAA that won't see any bowl game. Yeah, and the last thing that I want to say regarding that subject is just remember why the Hawaii Bowl exists. The University of Hawaii in 2001 went 9-4, and beat 15th-ranked Fresno State, beat 8th-ranked and undefeated BYU, and, and had no bowl game to go to. I, I think going to the Sugar Bowl was awesome, and if you can go to the, the New Year's Eve 6, yeah, that's, hey, hey if you earn that, you. more power to you. But, hey, there's a lot of bowl games out there that aren't going to choose the University of Hawaii. Now, there's a few that, you know, the Las Vegas Bowl, the Armed Forces Bowl, where there's tie-ins where maybe one day – Hawaii might be able to play in that. But the thing you got to remember, too, is that this is a Hawaii Bowl that stayed alive with Hawaii not playing in the game, right? That in it, itself. I mean, the last time they played in the game before 2010 was 2006, right? Because in 2007, they went to the Sugar Bowl. So they played in it again in 2010 and didn't play in it again until 2016. And then didn't play in it until 2018. Right, And this was a game that stayed alive because of it. So anyone that looks down on the Hawaii Bowl, it, 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 you need to check yourself, and that's bonkers. That, yeah. That's a weird mentality because without the Hawaii Bowl, a lot of times you're going to have a winning Hawaii team not go to a bowl game. No, yeah, and you know what? It's funny. I, I mentioned, not even to get off the subject, but somebody mentioned how everybody was down in LeBron James's last season, how he had an off year at 27-7-7. and most people wouldn't get that in their entire career. That right there is an absolutely magnificent season, but it's overlooked based off what you've done before. Victims of your own success, and I feel like this is what's happening to Hawaii football, which they should take as a good thing, but I think for a lot of fans, pump the brakes, give it time to let itself develop. Well, of course, getting ahead of ourselves, talking uh, Hawaii Bowl being a disappointment, well, you got to become bowl eligible first, <laughs> and that starts gotta do that. with the University of Hawaii beating Air Force on Saturday. Again, both teams enter the game 4-2. and two. The Falcons are two-point favorites at Aloha Stadium, so that's really interesting as well. The game will be televised on the CBS Sports Network, and of course, on Monday, we'll be back here to talk about what happened with Air Force and then what's happening next, and that's a road game at New Mexico. For RJ Hollis, I'm Rob DeMello. Be sure to check Bo's Football Final every Monday at K2N2.com, also on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. Everywhere you go, all that, all that. Bo's Football we Final everywhere. is there. Have a great day, everybody. Aloha.